0: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Dark Delight podcast with Beans and, and, and. I I don't have a nickname. It's just me, Mike (laughs) Opelka.
1: You know, for the first five years of my life, I thought my first name was Dammit.
0: Oh, my gosh. Mike, Mike, we got some cool feedback on Monday's show.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know they like you. But I I am like this pebble in your shoe now. Look, it's messing with you.
0: Would I be would I be would I be lying if I said that every single comment was positive? Yes. (laughs) But 98 percent of them were.
1: Okay, I'll take that. Now, you know, you have to have people who dislike you because especially the ones who are really passionate, they will listen every day just to be able to vent their spleen and go. That guy said this today that really made me mad.
0: I got um, an email from some people I know. And um, and they said, you know, we listen to the show religiously every time um, we had to turn it off on Monday and I'll try it one more time. And I said, wait a second. I said, please give me a minute here. You listen to the show every day. And because maybe one show wasn't great for you, you're going to stop. does yeah. doesn't make it- sense to me.
1: It doesn't make any sense. You know, if you have a favorite restaurant and you get one bad meal, do you want to do you want to Molotov cocktail, the joint and burn it down?
0: (laughs) No. And people need to understand, too, like that was our first time doing a show together for an hour.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. We've had uh, abbreviated conversations when you compare it to an hour. And I, I challenge everyone. Go back and watch the first episode of your favorite show. Go back and watch the first four episodes of Seinfeld. Yep. And then go, God, how did this show last?
0: Yeah, you got to get into a groove and like start getting used to each other. And, you know, the chemistry kind of builds and things change. Like if you go back and listen to Frank and I's first podcast, Mike, it's it's like listening to nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) It's terrible.
1: Well, it happens. But, you know, we're... We are finding our way, and we like each other a lot. I do, yes. So we do hope that through that relationship, we will be able to give you a show that you will like as well.
0: Indeed. And I think, given the response everybody really loved Monday, a uh, consummate storyteller you are, and everybody enjoyed the show getting to know you a little bit, and our little banter back and forth about politics, and specifically chainsaws. Um yeah. I got a note from uh,
1: an old, old friend who was absolutely stunned and thrilled that that I've joined you. And I haven't heard from my friend Catherine in the longest time. And she truly is one of the more inspiring people I've met in my life, has conquered many, many challenges and has done it with grace and humor and so much joy. And she wrote me and said, oh, my God. This, I listen to Tracy Beans all the time. You're there. And this is amazing. And then, about, about 40 minutes later, because she must have been listening as she was texting me, she wrote, Chainsaw. Oh my God. I could have about <laughs> that. <bad. laughs>
0: Catherine, oh. I love you. Thank you so much. This is a, a serendipity for everybody like that out there.
1: Yeah, she is truly amazing. You would, you would. You would scream with joy if you met her. Aw. She and her husband are amazing people. But for those who were not here on Monday, we ended the show by uh, me explaining to Tracy the origins of the inspiration of today's modern chainsaw came from a hand-cranked chainsaw that was developed to cut the pelvic bones of women who were delivering babies.
0: That's how we ended the show, yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's Catherine heard that and immediately responded.
0: I I think we need to start the show today with what we said we were going to do this Wednesday, Mike, which is
1: Um, what in the hell? Find a bunch of people and dress alike and follow them around. No, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about uh, this uh, Australian woman who gave me the inspiration when she said this several months ago on her news broadcast.
2: What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say?
1: Every time I hear our president fumble, mumble, stumble through things, I hear this Australian woman.
2: What in God's name is Joe Biden trying to say?
1: And I wonder the same thing. Do you happen
0: to have this latest faux pas that is interesting? And I'm going to get into why once everybody hears it. Do you have it or do you need me to pull that on up right now?
1: Um, I can grab it pretty quickly and, and you can set the stage because yesterday after Joseph Robin Biden Jr. announced that we were banning all Russian energy products from the country, he also then refused to take any questions from the press, which I thought was astounding. Did you not?
0: I did. It's not surprising. It happens all the time. And so he's in Fort Worth, Texas, and he's he's talking to, I don't know, a bunch of a group of people. I'm not even sure who. And he starts to say. He starts to say something about some of the congressmen who were there.
1: Well, he had three congressmen meet him at Fort Worth. And uh, the reason why, first of all, we should tell people the reason why Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. did not take a single question at the press conference where he said we are cutting off all Russian oil energy importation, which will have a massive effect on each person listening to this. Your cost of living is going to go up. We'll talk about shrinkflation and record-setting gas prices, et cetera. But the reason he said is, I need more information, and I have to go to Fort Worth, Texas, right now. Now, he campaigned from the basement of his house for the entire campaign. He never left, really never left Delaware or Scranton, Pennsylvania. It was one of the most ridiculous and embarrassing things. They did everything on Zoom. He does most meetings on Zoom in the fake White House. With a mask on. Yeah, with a mask. And uh, so yesterday he had to leave the media, the press, whom he had assembled to make this big announcement to get on a plane, burn a whole bunch of fuel, getting to Fort Worth, Texas, and meet with the heads of the VA there so he could talk about the burn pit story that he brought up at the State of the Union a week earlier. And he had three congressmen there, three Democrat congressmen, two black men and a man who I believe is a white guy. And he's he's up there speechifying before he gets into the meeting, and he says this:
3: the three congressmen you have here, two of them look like they could, they really could and did play ball, and the other one looks like he could bomb you. Three- so three congressmen here, two of them look like
1: they could or did play ball, meaning basketball or football, I guess, and one of them looks like he could bomb you. Now.
0: now racist Tracy well I have the full clip because on the Twitterverse everybody started freaking out and saying that they snipped the context off of this because two of them were um were actually ballplayers and one of them was a fighter pilot wow
1: so it was accurate
0: so what they're saying is you here but here it is let me let me hear I'll play the first like eight seconds for you here
3: I just think that uh, Jake, you're a fighter pilot, you get this stuff I mean, you know what I mean you can smile, Jake it's okay, it's okay. Jake's a Republican, but I, I like the hell out of him he's got no, I'm serious. this guy's the real deal. The three congressmen you have here, two of them look like they could they really could and did play ball, and the other one looks like he could bomb you and uh,
0: what do you think
1: so I think the media has blown this out of proportion mm-hmm. I absolutely do. And context is really vital. And As we said yesterday, you have to step back for a second and make sure you verify.
0: So now the problem with this argument is we're taking the high ground and saying context matters. Right. What about what about the very fine people nonsense? What about, um, you know, all of the things that President Trump has said? That have been taken out of context and edited. Uh, Joe Biden opened up his campaign on the very fine people lie. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, Mike, you go around playing that eight second clip. I don't give a crap what happened before.
1: <laughs> well, Tracy, let's go back to what, what we learned in school, that two wrongs don't make a right, but two right ma- rights make an airplane.
0: What world is it where one side continuously Plays by the rules and the other side does not.
1: Um, That would be the American political system (laughs) bolstered by a biased media. Does that for a hundred, Alex? Can I get that? Yes.
0: Ding, ding. If I had a buzzer or a, a, you know, ding, ding sound, I'd give it to you right now, but I'm not you. And I don't have all the funky, fancy stuff. Do do we have a
1: buzzer budget? A
0: budget? Yeah. It's like three cents. (laughs) Okay, good. Three cents per Uh, budget for buzzer.
1: I I do like the high ground and I do like to uh, take the high road and then on occasion say, by the way, we're not going to be like you Eh. who misinterpreted and lied and obfuscated and avoided context on things.
0: So I'll say this. I'm not going to go out there sharing the clip. And obviously I played it today for a very good reason, Mike winking and odd. My point is that I am not upset if, if, Other people bash him with this. It doesn't bother me. I don't mind it anymore. Go ahead and do it because the entire show today, in my opinion, is going to be uh, a a kind of expose or, you know, abomination (laughs) of the horrible crap that these people have done for the past three years and how they're trying to memory hole it now. So nobody pays attention anymore.
1: We're going to need more than one show.
0: Oh, yeah. This is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right, Joe. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> I, I have I have so many Joe Biden. Come on, man. I have like 12 of them. Different ones.
0: Don't you have like a Joe Biden soundboard? We went through this once. I, I do.
1: I do. You know, he's he's famous for so many dumb things. And by the way, you know, I got a lot.
3: of I got hairy legs.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. The kids, did. the kids like to come up and play with the hair on my legs in the pool. That's
1: <laughs> right. And then I learned about roaches and my buddy Corn Pop. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Oh, no. <laughs> and he ran a bunch of bad boys. <laughs> yeah, he, did. he did. I wonder where, why we never found Corn Pop. I think there was a global search for Corn Pop. No, there wasn't. There was. There, the, Tom Arnold got more money to look for the Russian PP tape than anybody spent on the search for corn pop. Speaking of
0: the Russian peepee tape, you know what's coming out today? No, 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 no. What? Um. So Project Veritas dropped a video last night. Did you see this? Oh, I watched the first part about the,
1: the Pulitzer Prize winning New York Times reporter who's trying to get a little, you know, little skin time with a young lady. So he's bragging about being at January 6th and how it really wasn't a big deal and you know, the media blew it out of proportion. All the other people, they were just, they were crazy and drama queens. But there's a second chapter to this story.
0: There is. The second chapter has to do with the infamous pee tape.
1: Now, do you know what's anticipated in today's release from uh, Project Veritas?
0: I can tell you what I think will be in it. I think it's going to be this New York Times journalist saying they ran down the pee tape story early and it was absolute nonsense. But they wanted to, you know, hurt Trump. So they ran with it anyway.
1: I love the fact that we're actually having an adult intelligent conversation referencing something known globally as the peepee tape, <laughs> which for those that don't understand, it's not about an appendage, although it could be. It's it's about an allegation that Donald Trump paid hookers, Russian hookers to urinate on the bed in the presidential suite in Moscow, the one where Barack Obama slept in order to defile it. Uh, isn't that the correct summation?
0: Yes, it is. And, and, you know, as if somebody other than a Democrat would actually do something like that. See
1: there, this goes back to another one of the uh, axioms, which I want to put on this show. Always. When you point a finger at me, there are generally three pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. So Every time a Democrat accuses you of something there's a really good chance they are doing it or thinking about doing it or have done it themselves.
0: And if you use that because it's come true over and over and over again, if you were like new to politics within the next, the past, like five years, let's just say, cause there's a lot of people that have been. And, you know, before I even say that it's, it, I've been taking a trip down memory lane, Mike, because in 2012, specifically 2011 2012, I dedicated probably 90% of my life to working um grassroots at a very high level on the campaign of one Dr. Ron Paul for president. Wow. Yes. The great the great Ron Paul. He really he really is the great Ron Paul. As a matter of fact, he was making his rounds around Twitter yesterday, not for anything he did currently, but for things that he said over a decade ago.
1: <laughs> really? What now was he getting um uh, railed on? No. Twitter? No.
0: Everybody was he- saying he was right. Crap.
1: Yeah. So a a lot of libertarians have turned out to be right because they didn't look at the political system in this country or the economy through the lens, the prism of a party. And they looked at it through a real simple principle, as laid out in uh, Matt Kibbe's book, Don't Hurt People and Don't Take Their Stuff.
0: Pretty easy. That's it. Pretty easy. Yeah. And so I remember, I'll never forget, I was, you know, I was much, I was much younger in my act, those activism days, 2008, 2000, you know, I was 28, 30 years old. Right. And I was volunteering for a conservative think tank that is no longer in existence at CPAC. And it was the time that I was able in 2000, I think it was 2011. I got to sit and eat in a private, a private dinner with Andrew Breitbart. Maybe it was 2010. I don't remember what year it was.
1: It would be 2010. Otherwise it would be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Andrew. We love you.
0: So so I I, it was an amazing experience, which I would argue probably springboarded me in the direction I ended up going in. But the the foundation or whatever you want to call it that I was volunteering for were like neoconservative warhawks. Okay. Terrible. And and I was I was kind of just finding my footing on things and figuring out the world. And I was like, okay. I was arguing foreign policy and I was arguing a non-interventionalist foreign policy position. And they were like, are you out of your mind? This is why you guys are so stupid. And none of your ideas will ever be mainstream ever in the history of this country. Like, you don't understand that we all need war so we can get rich. Literally those words. Really? And I...
1: That would have made me very uncomfortable. I would say, are you guys also buying blood diamonds for your wives?
0: Right. I said, "Okay, thank you so much. I literally did this. I said, stop the car, please. And I got out and I walked back to the hotel and I never went back again. I was done. That was it for me. And then I was like, I'm never going to be a Republican ever. Just not happening. Not when this is the and that was the mainstream thought. Like we were mocked and people threw things at us. I've been spit on by conservatives. (laughs) Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. We we were the rabble rousers. They used to call us the ragamuffins. Mike.
1: Well, I can see that. I understand the ragamuffin thing because yeah. you're kind of you kind, of, kind of come out if you're not going to a photo shoot. Tracy Beans is very casual. Oh yes. It's kind of kind of like bohemian, if I may. Yeah. Like I think right that- now,
0: I'm wearing a pair of Myrtle Beach sweatpants and a red sweatshirt. There you go. Yeah. So everybody's always like, why don't you want to do the vi- a video show? And I'm like, because I don't want to do my hair and makeup every three days a week. No.
1: Thank no. you. I'm the same way. I am uh, visually challenged from the receiver standpoint. Oh I-, I can see I don't want to be seen. I want to be in my freedom bunker, my free speech bunker here in the woods of Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. And I appreciate the ability to communicate. And why do you people need to see me? Yeah, really.
0: that's how I feel, too. I really do. Um, so anyway, well, that was a very long winded way of getting off the topic that I was about to talk well, about.
1: We were on the, on the project veritas thing. Yeah. Is there any, any more to add to that, that topic of what's going on with this story?
0: Well, not just the, the, the media, the media like has been this catalyst for all of the things that have gone wrong and can't be trusted obviously with the 20 foot pole and don't play by any rules whatsoever, Mike, ever, 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 ever. There's no legitimate journalism going on. There are a bunch of state actors running around. Hmm. And I'd argue that they're bureaucratic state actors. They're, they're agency state actors, because it really doesn't matter who sits at the, quote, helm of the government. They're going to do what their what bureaucratic spook intel people tell them, just like the guy said yesterday on the Project Veritas video.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That video. I can I can I dial back just a little bit, and you can throw me out if you want to for this. Uh, you used an, a unique statement there. They you can't trust them with a twenty foot pole. Yes. See, that's really the wrong. That's I. I'm a, I'm a stickler for. It is gonna, wrong. It uh, is. You can't touch them with yes. a ten foot pole.
0: Yes, it is absolutely wrong. That is that is what will happen in in my. Um,
1: Did you mind me? putting the, no. the breaks. Cause like it drives me nuts when somebody says I could care less. And couldn't. Go, yeah. Right. You couldn't care less. And they go, what? I uh, I said, no, you said you could care less, which means you actually could, could care less, <laughs> less than you care. Now they <laughs> go, shut up, you grammar Nazi. No, I, and I said, I, I, yeah. Don't get it. And uh, a whole other thing, not a whole nother thing.
0: And, and, The 20-foot pole reference makes absolutely no sense in the context I used it either.
1: Nah, that's okay. It doesn't. But but see, we we are communicators, and by our nature, we strive for excellence in our own presentation, and I expect you to call me out when I use the term incorrectly.
0: You won't, but I will.
1: (laughs) I have. When we start doing this show, and it's bourbon-based or bourbon-sponsored, then there's a good chance that Everything could fall off the rails in the first place. Can five. you
0: imagine we do like a, a midnight bourbon show? I, I wouldn't mind doing a bourbon breakfast show. Oh, Spotify. all right.
1: Waking up and reading some of the news. I'm waking up today and I'm reading the news about the conditions in some of the cities in Ukraine. And I realize there's still a lot of misinformation coming out. Yep. There are Several different reporters have said people in some cities are drinking water out of puddles because they've been cut off. And that a young girl died from dehydration because there's no water. And I'm going, even if that's true in one case, we need to find a way to stop that and fix that. So I I don't know what to believe. I understand there is another attempted ceasefire this morning, but I'm always wait and see guy. On all of this.
0: So there's a lot that has come out over the past 24 hours that we need to navigate through. First of all, um, don't worry about the water because Mitch McConnell is sending 14 billion dollars very quickly over to Ukraine. That's his goal. 14 billion dollars to Ukraine. I would argue we could use the 14 billion for some tax subsidy for our gas, or you could just open up the damn pipeline, Biden, and stop the seven dollar a gallon insanity. But no, it's going over to Ukraine. 14 billion is. What do you think about that?
1: Is that from Mitch's personal stash, cocaine Mitch's personal stash? Is that from the profits?
0: $14 billion needs to be passed, and it needs to be passed quickly.
1: Well, it is a humanitarian crisis. you got 2 million people that have crossed borders to leave a war-torn country. You have families that are fractured. We do have, obviously, deaths. Uh, so I understand that. But what is our obligation? I actually was intrigued when I read that Ilhan Omar, one of the least likable people on the planet said, maybe we should think twice about giving all of this military assistance to this country. And I thought, you know, that's not a bad idea. I disagree with just about everything else she says, but I think it's wise for us to take pause. It's just
0: interesting that she would say that there's another clip that I have here. Um, (laughs) it's, it's, where yes. is it? Where
4: is but it?
1: Give me a hint. Let me guess. So Let's do the radio charades. I can't see what your hands are doing, but give me some hints here. I so lost,
0: to- I completely lost my train of thought.
1: Derailed train of thought. Well, are you at least heartened that Kamala Harris is headed to Poland right now?
0: Yeah. I, oh, oh, here's what it was. It was Victoria Newland, and, and and it ties into Poland and Kamala Harris going over okay. there. Did you see Marco Rubio ask Victoria Newland about the bio labs in Ukraine?
1: I heard, I saw the headline, I did not have time to read it, so educate me.
0: So, she was asked directly, and I didn't have it handy because I I couldn't pull it down the way I wanted to. But she was asked, here, let's just play it. How's that? All
3: right. Um, Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh,
5: Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities to blame on the other guy, what they're planning to do themselves.
0: Didn't you say this morning something about reflection? Mm-hmm. Who's, whose mm-hmm. technique is it again?
1: Um, The Democrats. Oh,
0: oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure that the Democrats weren't directly comparing themselves to the Russians, but clearly, clearly yeah. they are.
1: So isn't this technically, if should this happen, should a chemical lab in Ukraine be taken over and there is a release of some pathogen or deadly gas or something. And it was directed by the Russians, but not admitted to by the Russians and targeted to blame the Ukrainians. Is this not the definition of a false flag operation?
0: So, yes, but also think about this. The first time that that theory about the the bioweapons labs was per, you know put out there, this is a very interesting sort of back behind the Internet Discussion, Mike, I don't know that you normally would have, but if you do, let me know. It came out first from a random, you know, a researcher on Twitter who just so happened to notice that every single city where a first strike was by the Russians also housed a joint U.S.-Ukraine research facility.
1: Hmm. Coincidence? I think not.
0: So I was watching this very carefully because I said what what would possess them? to bomb those facilities and risk, you know, something terrible coming out. For, you know what I mean? Like they they wouldn't I don't think that they would do that. I think that for and, and this researcher also pointed out very aptly that for years, Putin has been screaming about how they're doing this sorts of research on his borders and they that he, he feels very um, he feels that it shouldn't happen and they need to stop doing it for years and years and years and years. And then what once that got some traction and steam on the interwebs, Mike, the United States government started removing all of the information about these labs from their websites.
1: Huh. Now, so, two things, two things from that little uh, update. Number 1, Vladimir Putin pointing a finger for years at Ukraine saying you must stop with the uh, biological weapon labs. Uh, too close to our border. Well, three fingers are pointing right back at him. Do we think Russia has no biological weapons labs?
0: Oh, of course they do. Yeah. And, I mean, of course. Yes. Everybody does. That's the problem, I think, in the grand scheme. But And, and is this
1: tied to any of the gain of function research that Fauci funded? I'd like to know if our financial Fauci tentacles have reached into any of these labs.
0: Amen. So what what happened after this got spilled out and it started getting some traction or whatever, and we started looking into it and researching and we were not confident enough about the story to print. And we've been kind of really doing our due diligence behind the background. But then all of a sudden, not yesterday, but the day before Russia probably seizing on everything that was going on on the interwebs in America about these bioweapons labs going viral. Right seizes on that to say what Newland just said about or what Rubio just said. Yeah. So so from a real thing, the Russians hopped on it and used our viral kind of conspiracy theory, which is true, to spin up a narrative. And this has happened before, Mike. You don't know when this happened?
1: I'm thinking my brain hurts right now. When when did this happen Previously. You've
0: had me on your show to speak about it several times. It was the Wuhan Games.
1: Oh, oh, yes. Yes, you nailed this because it was 2019, September, October of 2019, and you and UncoverDC.com nailed it.
0: So thank you very, very much, by the way. <laughs> but what happened there was it, it. the reason why I started digging a little bit more into that was because China came out and started accusing the United States military— of being the cause of COVID-19 spread from the military games.
1: So, so sh- China pointed a finger at us when three was pointing right back at them.
0: If 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 you were of the mindset that it was China that unleashed this on the world, absolutely, yes. So now I'm just looking at the parallels between these two things. Am I coming down on any, any side? No, but oh. I find it interesting that Marco Rubio, of all people, would ask Newland this question, because these questions are not, willy-nilly, I have a question for you, Ms. Newland. Why don't you share your answer with me? I'm going to surprise you on this one. It's not like that. They know what they're going to be asking. I know that. Want to know why I know that?
1: Yeah, I do. How do you know that?
0: Because I've been contacted goodness knows how many times asking what questions should we ask at this hearing today? Well,
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. It's, it makes me feel like they're actually talking to people with a real, um, a real curiosity and uh, seeking truth.
0: It's only been a couple times, and it's only been a couple different people. Not like you know, not it's it's not as much as I would like because I swear if I could get my little Heine in one of those seats, these people would never know what hit them.
1: Anyway, I wish, I pray, <laughs> I like candles. That would be fabulous. My, my goal,
0: yes, is I had a pipe dream to fill in my life. It would be to be press secretary
1: for
3: whom
0: for for a president.
1: That is a that is quite the position. Have you been in that room in the White House? Nope. When you walk in that room, it's an amazing room, first of all. It is uh, on the lower level of the White House, the ground floor of the White House. And do you know what it was before it became the press room?
0: Where they kept the dogs?
1: No, 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 no. It actually was the indoor swimming pool in the the White House. (laughs) They filled it up? Well, no. No, no. They covered it up. Kennedy used to swim because he had a horrible back, right? And during his presidency, he would swim virtually every day. And uh, that's also where we learned about some of, the, um, some of the bad behavior with Mimi Beardsley, the intern uh, who wrote the book after, after he died, et cetera. But uh, that room, because Johnson hated it, when LBJ became president after Kennedy was killed, Johnson said, we'll cover that floor up and let's put a, let's, instead of having to have press meetings other way, let's make that room dedicated. So they covered it up and underneath the floor is where all the equipment is that feeds the networks. Wow. for, For all of it. Now here's the really cool part. And if we ever get to DC together, I'll get us a tour and we'll go in there. In that, in that empty pool where all the equipment resides, reporters, engineers, presidents have all been down there and signed the tiles <gasps> on the wall. Oh. And if you walk through there, it's this, this trip down press history where you see who's on the wall. And in June of 2009, yes, during the Obama administration, I finagled a trip into the White House after Obama had taken off to go to Egypt. <clears throat> Remember when he went to speak in Cairo? Yes, I do. Talking about an ADD moment left turn story here, but I'm sorry I've derailed your. No, rest- that's OK. I brought Montel Williams with me and we had a Secret Service agent friend of mine who got us in. And at, 10 minutes after Obama took off for Joint Base Andrews and they choppered him out, we were in the back door of the White House and we went on a two hour tour that like nobody has seen. And we went through the situation room. We got yelled at there because we were making too much noise and Obama heard us laughing in the background on a call and all kinds of stuff. But we were in the situation room, the Navy dining room, the, the Oval Office. I have some pictures that I wasn't supposed to take. But then when we went down to the press room, when we took the obligatory photos standing at the podium, pretending to be the press secretary that every idiot takes when they're there, I'm one of them. Uh, The guy goes, hey, want to sign the wall? And I I look at Montel and he goes, what? (laughs) And and he goes, you want to sign the wall? And I said, absolutely, we do. Yes. So I tagged the White House. I have pictures of my name. I think I'm next to Anderson Cooper and a couple other network flogs uh, who have signed the same tiles. And I think George W. Bush.
0: I want to sign the wall.
1: So we need to sign the wall. Yes. You and I need to get Back to the White House and sign the wall. And hopefully we'll do it under a, uh, a new administration with an R after the name. But I, I think my ties to the Secret Service are still good. Maybe we can go back there.
0: Wow. That sounds anyway, fun.
1: When you're press secretary, yeah. maybe, maybe that's how we'll get in. Is You'll invite me to be your guest. And we'll go under the flooring of the press room. And and wander around and look at all the names that are on those tiles.
0: I, I just, I I would love to do that. And I, I think that it's now gonna be a lot easier to visualize my press secretary dumb because I have that added detail to tag onto I, it.
1: You know the history. You gotta know the history in order to understand the present. Yeah. That's what I tell people. Well, but that's my weird, one of my weird, I've led such a weird life, haven't
0: I? Yeah, and we're gonna learn all about it, which is the best part of all this. Because there's always going to be something you're going to have.
1: Yeah, I tagged the White House. I'm going to put that somewhere in my bio. You I tagged the White, White House.
0: House. It's graffitied up. So okay. I just don't feel like any of these people, that any of these press secretaries, like, do it right. Sanders was good. She was good. But I feel like I would bring a special brand of feisty.
1: You would. <laughs> and now, I also think you have the aplomb that we saw with Dana Perino, who I happen to think the world of. And by the way, I think Dana Perino yesterday explained the um, energy issue with all the permits. And yet we don't have the output. And the way the White House is saying, what's the problem? Well, they've got the permits. Why can't they do it? They got 9,000 permits. She explained it so simply for dummies like me. Yesterday on The Five, she said, "Um, let me make an analogy. Somebody gave you a brand new car, but they won't let you have the key.
0: Oh, know. because of the, the the red tape surrounding. Yeah, you yeah. can
1: you can drill over there, but you're not allowed to build a road to get there.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that that President Trump made a showcase for him, which was for every new reg- regulation, we're taking 10 away.
1: Yeah, which was amazing. I do have um, I do have a, a, a tiny clip from yesterday's Biden announcement yesterday that kind of relates to that, if you don't mind. Hit it.
3: Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry, no more drilling on federal lands, no more drilling, including offshore, no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends.
1: So that was not from yesterday. That was from the Democrats debate. And they asked Biden what he was going to do about fossil fuels. And that was the first thing he said about fossil fuels. You let, Hear that one more time, because I, I misintroduced it. I'm sorry, I had the wrong clip queued up. But this was Biden in 2020, standing next to Bernie Sanders and talking about, the question was about, about drilling and fossil fuels and getting us off the gooey dinosaur juice.
3: Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry, no more drilling on federal lands, no more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill period ends
1: so that guy who's telling us that they're not standing in the way of production lied to get to that spot then didn't he
0: yeah uh yeah of course to his progressive supposedly progressive majority base yeah not i i'm I'm guaranteeing you that nobody nobody right now is like oh yeah, I love this
1: <laughs> yeah. Nobody, even Joe Manchin and well, now you're seeing Democratic senators come out. But let's remember our energy secretary, uh Jennifer Granholm. You know her, don't you? No. Jennifer Granholm? Oh, the Biden's energy secretary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. right, right now. You know her plan? Her she, plan remember no. what she was asked about it? No, I don't. Because I the don't Granholm plan to increase oil production in America. <laughs> Oh, yes, okay. I do. <laughs> that is hilarious. She called increasing oil production. This was just a couple of weeks ago.
0: You know, hilarious. it's crazy because I don't keep track of all of his, you know, head of energy, head of the, like, because they're so they don't. It, it's all so meaningless. Yeah, I, I just don't keep track of them. I don't know. Who really? They're all they're all corporate chills who are put in place. <laughs> they're all well, it was all
1: paybacks, political paybacks for help during the campaign. You know, everybody who helped him win a state is going to get something. Everybody who gave a lot of money is going to be an ambassador. That's the way it works on a lot of sides of this. Yes, it, it works on both the R's and the D's. So, but I just thought that, you know, we're we're less. I think it's less than three months ago she was asked, "How are we going to increase oil and gas production in this country?" And her response was to laugh at it.
0: Can we, before we move on to the next topic, is there any way to get a side by side of Harris's laugh and her laugh together, and then we can judge whose is more witch-like? I
1: would cackle. Gets it? I call if she were a Batman villain, she'd be the cackler. <laughs> you know, she's. I call her cackle, Harris, she's and not- I, I don't know if I, I have some cackles somewhere, but I, I do love one of the dumb statements she said. Um, <laughs> hold on. Uh oh. There's a random
5: Kamala. I don't even know where this one's from. We have too much at stake. Immigrants have too much at stake. Working families have too much at stake. So we must take action. We cannot sit this out. We cannot wait.
1: We cannot wait because, of course,
5: we are all in the midst of a turning point.
1: <laughs> I just love the, the lack of of any
0: kind of coherent statement. She is the queen of the word salad. It's terrible the way she answers questions or doesn't answer questions. I should say or
1: doesn't answer questions. That's absolutely so. Um, I will work to put a cackle laugh next to a grand home laugh. I'm just curious. Oh, I mean, she has such a. They've they have told her though, because remember after the um, the horrible, embarrassing situation last summer in August where they brought the kids in, the paid actors. Oh my gosh! And she talked about. You're going to actually see with your own eyes the craters on the moon. Like, that's never been allowed
0: before. <laughs> the actors You're that they that. actually auditioned for this. Yeah, movie. the kid, they
1: flew a kid in from <gasps> California. It's just amazing to me that we're here with Kakala. The she, Cackula.
0: She's terrible. And I want to just loop back, circle back around, Mike. Yeah, please,
1: please, Secretary. Yes,
0: I would like to. <laughs> I would like to circle back to the whole Bio Labs thing, just okay. to put a little bow on it. Because yesterday, um, Peter McCullough and um, Steve Kirsch and um, Thomas Wren's attorney Wren's were sitting in front of the Pennsylvania Senate doing a COVID roundtable sort of a discussion with them about what they could do to fix what's still going on that the Democrats would like to even Republicans would like you to think it doesn't exist and 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 stopping it from being memory hold. And one of the senators there had asked Dr. McCullough a question about, you know, going up against this behemoth of big pharma, big medicine, government bureaucracy and institution in the CDC and the NIH. And his response now, remember, this is a doctor, uh, Mike, who for his entire career was an institutionalist. You understand what I'm saying there, right? Yeah, of course. He he was a Harvard man, a Baylor man. He was the most published doctor in his field. You know, he this is a, a, I've interviewed him several times. I'm sure you have, too. Right. You've interviewed McCullough.
1: No, I have not. OK. I've not interviewed him.
0: Well, I, I mean, I've gotten to, to interview him for a few hours and He. This is somebody whose entire world was turned upside down when he realized that the field he's dedicated his life to isn't really interested in saving lives at the end of the day. And so, no, No. what do you where do you go with? I mean, where do you go with that? Right. So he's had to kind of rethink his entire life, everything he knows, everything. And he gave this answer, which is a little longer, but I think that you'll find it interesting. And if you don't, I want to hear about that, too. You ready? Sure. Okay.
5: Whatever's going on right now, it's worldwide. It's not just Pennsylvania, and it's not just the United States. When I testified in the Texas Senate, I sat through six hours of self-congratulatory testimony by various health officials congratulating themselves on masks and hand sanitizer and social distancing. And I got up, and I had my few, few, few minutes And I challenged the chairman of the committee, where are these monoclonal antibodies and how can we access them? Where are the other safe and effective drugs? Do you know where my attack came from on the internet? With an official attack from France. Now, why was somebody in France interested in my Texas testimony? Why France? Last night, I just got an email that the German authorities reviewed one of my public statements on COVID-19 and that it was deemed that the statement was okay. Why are the Germans interested in one of my statements as an American citizen, as an American doctor? Whatever is going on is worldwide and it is in the minds of people all over the world to hurt other people. It's in their minds. I have done things through uh, um, Clubhouse and other things. In the deepest, uh, most remote places in the world, the human mind is thinking the same. They are thinking to deny other people treatment. They are thinking uh, uh, of ways to actually make things more difficult for other people through a whole variety of measures. They are clearly thinking of using the vaccine as a divisive, injurious tool sociologically in societies all over the world. So consider this. We this is so yes, are doctors not doing anything? Yes. Are health systems not doing anything? Yes. Is the CDC, NIH and FDA are they making things worse? Yes. Do we have two presidents in the United States that have made things worse? Yes. Two Surgeon Generals, yes, White House task force. There is a ubiquitous oblivion to helping people get through the pandemic and small groups of individuals like this are enlightened and it's our task to prevail.
1: That's uh, that's some pretty powerful stuff from a guy who understands the technology, the science behind creating the vaccines.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg on, on his vaccine stuff. And it took him a while to, To get there, Mike, only because he wasn't going to jump out before data, Um, you know, which is
1: still don't have data. Data is being withheld every day. But here's the thing. When when he said Paris and then he said Germany and he started talking about the global thing, I think we can connect. And maybe we should do this in a longer form, because I know we don't have all the time in the world here. Uh, Jim Jordan's committee hearing from last summer where he went through fauci's emails yep this started on january 31st of 2020 that um, showed uh, what appears to be a global cover your ass move by fauci when he realized that it looks like this was a lab leak or a pathogen that was born in a lab and so not only was the origin globally culpable but it looks like the attempt to fix it and cure it or vaccinate against it has a global agenda as well.
0: And and when you think about that juxtaposed next to what Russia is now coming out and saying about biolabs in Ukraine, and if you look at the map of what what is like, it's just there's something and I said this on Monday, something much bigger is happening here and it takes sometimes little snippets of and we're probably not going to know what that is for for some time. It's just it happens more quickly now that we start to figure things out because they're trying so hard to to push covid away. We've got this op op ed that came out, Mike, from the Hill. Um, it's it, <laughs> it kind of blows my mind. This, the, the, the title of this op ed is called CDC needs serious scrutiny to restore Americans trust in science. What do you think the poll numbers (laughs) were for Democrats? And even there are Republicans who have not been good on this either. I'm not I'm not. There have been. What do you think those numbers looked like for them to completely abandon their one authoritarian chokehold they had on the American people?
1: Uh, That's a, a great question asked on the day when we finally have the 50th state to eliminate the indoor mask mandate. Hawaii finally said no more indoor masks today. So um, this this is officially the funeral and, for, for the pandemic, I believe. And you, uh,
0: you have here the failure of the CDC to manage COVID-19 more effectively points to an endemic problem of bureaucracy. This is the Hill, namely seeking to appear more relevant as a means to grow bigger. And it goes into... What we have been saying, I was banned from social media for saying some of this stuff. I mean, that's the thing is that and data. I'm sorry to say this, Mike, but data coming out of Hong Kong right now on covid. It's not looking good. There's another variant and they're leaning towards um, some sort of antibody dependent enhancement for this spike, which is insane. And so everybody like we never got the CDC data. We never got the data on hospitalizations and deaths. They were poised to go for the kids and they had to back off of that because people were just growing fed up with it. They're they're censoring and removing the, the the trucker convoy, the people's convoy. They ended up in D.C., outside of D.C. in Hagerstown, and they're circling the Beltway every day. That's what they're doing. They're not going into D.C. They're circling the Beltway. They've had meetings now with Ron Johnson, Ted Cruz, uh, Marjorie Teller Green, Thomas Massey. And they're removing all that from the Internet. And all of a sudden it was Ukraine. And then now all of a sudden there's a bioweapon element to Ukraine. What is going on?
1: Well, it's a distraction. That's like, you know, we 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 said the name of the new Biden dog was distraction. Uh, and that's really what this is. It's how to take you away from the reality. How, But, you know, we are because we do have the Internet. We are capable of monitoring more than one thing. You know, we can't be just locked up on one thing. America itself, I think, has grown into a a real higher thinking group. Yep. Before, we were a lot more singular focused as a people. And I think we've started to say, wait a minute, how can this happen right after that happened? How come there is, it's almost as if, wow, that ended and that began. Uh, COVID ended and then we have a war beginning. And why did a war begin? Well, maybe there's a connection to some other elements hidden beneath the surface of the war. And now we're starting to see them. So uh, this this is really curious to me. I, I have we had uh, Thomas Massey on the show here?
0: No, but I will tell you that we were always huge fans. Like my my dear business manager, Gigi, is uh, in love with Mr. Thomas Massey, who just recently put a bill in front of. um in front of Congress to um, end the Department of Education. And it was like three sentences long. <laughs> yeah, no,
3: I,
1: I, He's a friend. Maybe we could get him to oh, join. I would love he that. is. He is the
0: best. I would love. Yeah. Because what I mean, Ron Paul and Massey go hand in hand. Come on.
1: Yeah. And he's a Kentucky. He's the guy who his district is uh, the same district where the Covington Catholic kids come from. Oh, Nixon. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He, he and he lives pretty much off the grid. He's got two degrees from MIT. He's brilliant. He, he has a, um, a Tesla solar battery bank that he built the solar cells, and he got Tesla to sell him the battery banks because he says they're the best Great. made. But he has a year-round growth of vegetables. He has livestock. His kids are all geniuses, too. He's, He's a, a
0: libertarian. Real- <laughs> yeah,
1: he is as libertarian as you will find in Washington, <laughs> D.C., and he is, hopefully we can get him on. To I would talk love that. I'll, w- I'll reach out to him. We might have to record it in a different time. I'll find out. Because, you know, they're always having votes and stuff. He's the guy who opposed all the masking. Oh, yeah. All the crap in D.C. He was not in the State of the Union because they didn't require masks, but they did require a vaccination proof. And he had already had COVID twice.
0: Yeah, and there's you know, we'll get we're going to we're going to end up getting more into the vaccine because we're we're digging through these Pfizer data, the Pfizer data. I just found some we found some stuff just yesterday that we'll maybe touch on in a second. But he, he was he's great. And he also was one of the only three to vote against an aid package for Ukraine.
1: Yeah. And and I would like to ask him exactly why, because I want to hear it from his mouth, not through a media filter.
0: And he actually did answer that, I think, in long form with a reporter. Um, OK. But yeah, I would like to hear it from his mouth, too, because I think he'll speak more freely when he doesn't have to worry about all those losers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, how are we on time? Because there are a couple other issues that I want. We talked about shrinkflation in a text um, chat earlier. Yes,
0: yeah, so we have seven minutes. I'm not sure what that is.
1: You don't know about you. You know about inflation. Of course. And you're not aware of shrinkflation? No. Okay, shrinkflation is inflation. Without telling you you're paying an inflated price. For example, uh, have you heard of the company Domino's? They make pizza. Yes. Domino's has something called their wing deal, where for $7.99, you would get 10 wings. And they're allegedly delicious. I'm not, I'm not a customer. I'm not anti. It's just not on my, on my uh, culinary radar. They are now selling the wing deal, It's still seven ninety nine, but there are eight wings. Mm. So that's shrinkflation. That's a twenty percent price increase when you consider it. If you look at um, if you look at toilet paper, the big packages of toilet paper, like Scott tissue, Scott paper, instead of two hundred and sixty four sheets. Per roll, it's now down to 242.
0: Shut up. They took 20 sheets away. And that comes down to a roll and a half less. You know. Out of the 18-roll pack. That brings new meaning to can you spare a square. That's right. Can you
1: spare a square? And there is a full bowl of cereal that has been removed from virtually every cereal box. I have
0: noticed that. And if you look
1: at milk. Or even even those uh, those like rice milk things that people buy. What used to be a half a gallon, 64 ounces, dropped down to like 58 ounces. Really? And now they are 52 ounces.
0: I have not noticed any of this, and that's why they're doing it. They don't have to raise their prices. Then in quotes, they're just taking it out. They're shrinkflating it.
1: It is shrinkflation, and it is done with it's it's frog boiling, slow frog boiling, wow. and the best example. If you've noticed, you could fit more ice cream in your in your freezer. It's because the half gallons, about two years ago, went down to 59 ounces.
0: Because Nancy has them,
1: and now they're um, 48 ounces.
0: Nancy is hoarding the ice cream in her freezers. That's
1: well, she's got 50. designer ice cream. Oh,
0: oh.
1: you know the, the uh,
0: what
5: else, uh, Mike?
1: The Fars. Those are the things that um, really bothered me. Is the shrinkflation was the number one thing because. People are, are realizing, hey, I can't feed my family on the same amount of money. I do all the grocery shopping in our house because I do all the cooking. So I go to um, Wegmans a couple times a week, generally, for all my shopping needs, all my grocery needs. I used to spend, and it was pretty much standard every time, $110 every time I check out. I always do self-checkout because I'm, I'm, I like that I'm too. All right. not good with people. And I also like to bag my own groceries because I know what goes in which bag. Yep.
0: And where you put it away.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. Thank you very much. And now, in the last six months, it has edged up and it's $145 for all the same stuff right now. So, inflation has gone through the roof, but they've done it in a real stealth manner. Uh, A bowl of cereal out of every cereal box, uh, a cup of milk out of every half gallon. A roll and a half out of every eighteen roll pack of tissue, and I, I, I I'm going to check this because when the pandemic started, remember when we all were trying to find toilet paper? We called it buttcoin back then. Oh and yes,
0: yes, it was butt very coin.
1: expensive. Buttcoin, <laughs> yeah, we did that. Um, I, I stocked up and I bought like four of the giant hundred roll packs and put them in my garage. I still have two left. Or three left, I don't know. I want to see if we have any of the old rolls that still have the extra sheets on them.
0: And compare them.
1: Yeah. I was going uh, to play George Costanza yelling, uh,
0: it's shrinkage! Shrinkage! <laughs> and you
1: went to uh, don't have a square wow. to spare.
0: Oh, see? It was both signed. For- We're on the same wavelength. That's kind of, that's kind of yes, we
1: yes, Um we are. Can
0: I still hear, George, before I go through uh, two prices that blew me away on my food shop yesterday?
1: I don't have him queued up, but I did have to harken back to when you were talking about being press secretary. Yeah. Can we circle back to that story?
0: Let's circle back around.
5: have been around that track, so it's not just
4: gonna like that, because ain't no circle back. <laughs> no- circle back. Girl.
1: Yes, we do a lot of stupid little songs around here. <gasps> oh,
4: I
0: love it. Um, a pound and a half of Boris Head deluxe low sodium roast beef. Mike, how much do you think it cost?
1: Um normally I would see it's boars head, so you're buying the high end. That's a good that's not the store brand. That's usually around uh ten ninety-nine to twelve ninety nine a pound.
0: So for a pound and a half, it was twenty-two ninety-three. Holy
1: mother of god. <laughs> that is a whole lot of money.
0: So that's that's like fifteen dollars a pound. Isn't that insanity? And and you know what's crazy about it is what where I where I live here is kind of like a tourist town, right? Cuz I'm in I'm in what would be considered North Myrtle Beach, I guess. And so everybody here when they come here they're mostly on vacation. So they they've already got higher prices here on the food because tourists come in and they go and stay in their condos and beach houses and they have to buy food here and they don't want to go out to eat every day, so they grocery shop. Oh, so listen to this one. Regular milk. I usually don't drink regular milk, okay? But I was not able to get my organic milk. How much do you think it was for a gallon of Greenwise, which is Publix brand milk? A gallon. Let me see
1: now. I don't want to sound like an out-of-touch Mitt Romney at the grocery store. A gallon of milk. We don't drink much milk around our house. Mm. Uh, Two sixty-five.
0: Oh lord. Six forty-nine, Mike. Shut the front door. Six forty-nine. I'm looking at the receipt right now, and then I have um, Sargento shredded mozzarella.
1: You don't shred your own cheese.
0: I I do usually, but my husband likes to make pizza and he's busy, so we get the shredded stuff already, so that he could just put it on there. I'm not
1: I'm not chastising. I'm just you know because you're I'm Italian. Yeah, you got Italian in there, so you need. But um, how much how much weight? I feel like this Price Is Right shrinkflation edition.
0: Sixteen ounces.
1: Okay, a pound of yeah. shredded mozzarella, uh, a pound, and it's Sargento. So it's wrapped. No, in I'm it's wrong.
0: Half. It's 32 ounces. It's Sargento. Yes. Oh, two
1: pounds. It's a big. That's the big bag. That's the pizza size. 32,
0: bag. 32, half, half, uh, uh,
1: seventeen dollars.
0: <laughs> no, 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 32 ounces. I'm not saying eight ounces. <laughs> Wait. Just, for, just forget it. It, it. It's, it's four. It's four seventy two. See, I, I,
1: in the world of cheese, in the fromage universe, I I travel in a different aisle. I tend to buy fresh cheeses. Yeah. And the cheeses from Israel, which you know the cheeses of Israel, don't you? The cheeses of Israel. Yeah, the cheeses of Nazareth. No. Think about it. Cheeses
0: <laughs> of Nazareth. Oh, my gosh. Slow down, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't <laughs> re- we're, we're OK, so we're going to stop now because we're a minute over and I'll go on for another 20, 30 minutes if I'm allowed. So I'm just I'm not going to do know, it
1: when we get back um, Friday, Monday, have,
0: Monday. Yes. Unless you want to join us on Friday.
1: I don't know. We'll drive off that bridge when we come to it.
0: Because uh, you're more than welcome.
1: That's what Ted Kennedy taught us. We have to talk about the Kentucky summer camp.
0: Oh, the one with the witches.
1: The one that's teaching um, sex education. Yeah. And, how to obtain an abortion, how to masturbate. they witches. And have sex while on drugs. They're witches.
4: The people well, teaching we, it
1: are witches. We must burn them, right? Isn't that the rule in Monty Python? Yeah,
0: with cheeses of Nazareth.
1: The Jesus of Nazareth. That's when Kraft moves its company to Israel. It's because they want to be the Jesus of Nazareth. I will end on that. You go okay. no more than a pun, can you?
0: Really quickly, though, Mike. Yes. Did I bore you today with my sort of in-depth explanation of biowarfare?
1: No, because I'm fascinated by this. I am someone who, uh, when The Hot Zone first came out, Richard Preston's, the late Richard Preston's book about the Ebola virus yeah. and how the Reston Monkey House in Virginia almost caused an outbreak here in America like a decade before we'd even heard the word Ebola. Mm-hmm. I first picked up that book. I read it straight through. I did not go to bed that night. My wife goes, are you awake? I said, I couldn't put this book down. <laughs> and I suddenly became fascinated by single-stranded viruses. And there, there's another book called The Deadly Feast. That is, These are not fictional books. These aren't fascinating sci-fi stories. The world of science, real science, not the fake science of Fauci and the CDC, is so amazing and frightening that this is the kind of stuff that I know that men who are, men and women who are power crazy will try to harness it and use it to their advantage, and so this stuff fascinates me. So no, not in the least. And now I've got like a a wall with those crime scene like those crime scene shows yes. have with pictures, and I'm going to be connecting <laughs> dots between uh, Putin saying Ukraine's got labs near the border. And Fauci and uh, Jim Jordan saying that what's going on with the gain of function and all all this stuff. I all this needs to be monitored because we need to make sure we understand it and prevent it from um,
0: happening. Welcome to my world, Mike. Uh, 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 you have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with Tracy Beans <laughs> and Michael Falca. You can hear it. It does work. Let's do it. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We will be back on Friday.
3: Will we? we will True to the last ever, the pressure.
1: Thank you, Joe.
4: This is a Rock Stops here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence.
2: All right, back from Indianapolis, back from the NFL Combine. What an experience. What an experience being in downtown Indy. Let me get to my guest and then I'll tell you some of the behind the scenes stories. And I also got a one that's going to blow your mind, especially if you live in Florida or you have lived in Florida. But let me welcome in my guest. He really has made it to the top. I'm talking about Chris Sims, the former NFL quarterback, the University of Texas Longhorns, the New Jersey native, the son of Phil Sims. This is mostly on life after football, although I had to ask him about that day at Raymond James stadium when he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. And Oh my God, his, he got hit. It was his spleen. There was internal bleeding and he almost didn't make it. And I had to ask about that.
4: So like the, you know, you have those like probably four or five days in your life, right? Where you think about like, man, that changed my life forever. It it can almost get me emotional. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I mean, I was the, they came into the room and told my wife to say bye to me cause they weren't sure. Right. They weren't sure it was 50, 50. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm proud of it to a degree. Uh, of course I wish it didn't happen. Right. Um, but you know, maybe I, you know, sometimes I, I'm a self evaluator. I look at it too and go, man, there was things in my life at that time that I wasn't living the right way either. And maybe that was karma kind of saying, Hey, you better slow your freaking roll down here a little bit. Uh, so maybe I deserved it. I get that. We all get challenges in life, right? You got to take them as they come and, and fight through it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I have way too many things to be happy that I've been blessed with. I mean, I, come on. I grew up being the son of Phil Simms and all that. So I'm very grateful for it. it. It hurts me as I get emotional here again. It's just that I love Tampa. I love playing for him. So that hurt. The Rock Stops Here with longtime radio and TV personality Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.